Ephesians chapter number 2, page 1251. If you've got a Schofield King James Bible tonight, well, we appreciate you being here so very much. Good, good crowd. Good crowd. Amen. Those ladies that will be taking on this meeting will be leaving at 10 o'clock Friday morning. I'm driving, so you do well to be on time. I have been known to leave people. Amen. And so you be sure to be here. Ephesians chapter number 2, when you find your place, let's stand together. Begin reading verse number 11. Now I want you to listen very carefully to what is being read, alright? Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Now that's terminology that you and I do not use today, but I'll get it, make it very simple in just a bit. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, all my having no hope and without God in the world. There's no worse place that you could be tonight than to be in this world, not have God, have no hope, and to be without God. But now, now if you're accustomed to marking your Bibles, you ought to mark that. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometime were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace who had made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Having abolished in the flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so make him peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, to them that were nigh. For though him... For through Him we both have access one by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, and whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. And a title it would be God the Master Builder. Let's go to the throne of grace one more time. I'm going to ask Gene Keller if he would please pray. Yes. I thank you, Lord, for the precious blood that you shed on that cross tonight, dear God. Lord, now I ask you, Lord, if you move in our hearts here tonight, dear God. God, you see our troubles, our trials here tonight. You see our lost families, dear God. I ask you that you save them, Lord. Lord, I ask you, Lord, touch our pastor, Lord. Lord, have to say what needs to be said here tonight, dear God. Lord, I ask take away, Lord. But most of all, Lord, if there's one here lost and undone, Lord, that you save before it's too late, dear God. Lord, there's some might not be with you, they ought to be with you. 
Amen. You'll be seated. You need not turn to it, but there's one more verse I'd like to read in your hearing. In Matthew 16, 18, I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Can we agree tonight that God is a master builder? We find in this passage of chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, we see God, our spiritual possession in Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Praise God for salvation. Tonight, let me just say this. God has never built, never will build with lost individuals. God builds with saved, born again, washed in the blood believers. Tonight, uh, if you're saved, praise God, y'all be thrilled about the matter. Amen. And then we see our position. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We don't work to get saved. He's not contradicting himself. But praise God, when you're saved, born again, washed in the blood, there ought to be a desire in your heart to work for the Lord. Amen. There ought to be a privilege. I'm glad I don't have to preach. I get to preach. I didn't have to come to church. It's a privilege to be in the house of God tonight. But then we see as the Lord began to move into this great process of building His church. And he definitely has a process. And I, as I thought about this, I thought about our church. And this year we have seen and we have been together through many, many things. It's been an, an interesting year. In some ways a very monumental year. And a lot of different things that's taken place. Some that's brought joy, some that's brought great tears. But I'm glad that I can report to you I'm serving a God that's building His church. I'm glad tonight Solid Rock Baptist Church is His church. It's not my church. It's not others. It's His. And tonight I want you, if you would just think about that for a little bit. Now you say, but preacher, we, we hadn't started a building project around here. I believe God's been in a building project all year long. See, the church is not the building, not the walls, not the ceiling, not the paddy pews that you're sitting on, not, not these things. The, the church is you and I that have been saved by the marvelous grace of God. You and I, we are the church. And so when we look at the church from you and I sitting here tonight, would you agree God's been in a building project I mean, in a, as a matter of fact, he's been in many, many building projects. I'm glad he's been in a building project with the one behind the pulpit tonight. I'm glad he's not, and he's not done. He's not done. This is not the message, but the saddest place, the saddest place you'll ever get, if you, if you want to be doomed and damned with your life, all you got to do is get to the position where you're unteachable. But when any person, care who that person is, when you become to the place of being unteachable, nobody in the world can help you. Well, I'm glad I'm still teachable, aren't you? We find, as the Lord in this chapter, 
As he becomes a master builder and he begins to build his church, there's three steps he takes. And step one is one that we rarely think about, we rarely preach about it, but it is a reality. And that is step one, demolition. Walls had gone up in the church of Ephesus and they had to be torn down before construction could begin. As a matter of fact, you go anywhere in history and you will not find walls that were higher and stronger than the walls between those two groups called uncircumcised and the circumcised. Let me give you a name to those. The Jews and the Gentiles. One of the marks, and I'm not going into great detail. If you want to know more, come and see me after service. But one of the ways that God identified and singled out a group of people called the Jews was He commanded that they be circumcised. And that was a physical mark that said they were unique and special and God-ordained people. They were the ones that God would give the law to, ones that God would give uh, promises to and covenants with. And one of the great arguments, and it was true, that nowhere in the Old Testament did God ever give covenants or make agreements or, or give laws or, or give rules, if you will, to the Gentiles. But it started in Genesis chapter 12 when God began to move Abraham and the descendants of Abraham and began to build a nation. God went from a man to a family, from a family to tribes, from tribes to a nation. He began to give them covenants and promises. And as he did, one of the things that happened was a great division between the Gentiles and the Jews. Now, just so you know tonight and understand this, you are Gentiles. We are here tonight Gentiles. That would, if you lived in that day, that was what the title you would be given. You would be called a Gentiles. Well, let me tell you what they thought about you. The Jews had a saying, the best of the servants crushed, the best of the Gentiles killed. The Jews believed that Gentiles were only good for kindling and fodder for the fires of hell. You will not find a group of people that had more animosity, more anger, more hatred than the Jews had for the Gentiles. As a matter of fact, you read your Bible... On one occasion, the apostles didn't want to even go through Samaria and not get the dust of the Gentiles on their sandals. As a matter of fact, if you were a Jew and married a Jew, they would have an 
a, a, a party for weeks on end. I mean, it was amazing the betrothal and uh, the 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 ceremony, the the food, and he would just go on and for for weeks, for for many many days, he would be. I mean, just a wonderful, glorious, happy occasion. But if a, a Jewish boy married a Gentile girl, or a Jewish girl married a Gentile boy, they would have a full-fledged funeral. And they would disown that family member for life. They would not acknowledge them ever again. They seen him on the street, and they come up to talk to him. Hey, mom, how you doing? The mother would say, "I don't know you. I don't know you." The animosity was tremendous. As a matter of fact, in everything I've been able to read, there is not any barrier we face today regardless of racial barriers or political barriers or, or nothing we face today, that even comes close to, them, to the animosity and the anger and the hatred that the Jews had for the Gentiles. Now, don't, don't get too don't get too hard and say, man, I'm sorry, Jews. No, no, don't, don't miss it. The Gentiles hated the Jews just as bad. They hate them just as bad. As a matter of fact, in the temple, in the temple, they would have a section that the Gentiles could come in to the temple and worship. But then there was a wall or a partition and a section and a big old sign there said, Gentiles not allowed past this wall. If they did, they would kill them on the spot. I mean, it was tremendous. And so we find, as a matter of fact, you remember the Old Testament story? David gets some, some, uh, some lunch to take to his brothers. They're in a battle with Goliath. And, you know, Goliath walks out and says, Boo, and they all run, hide in the tents. David walks up. And he says, "Notice, did you, have you ever noticed how he addressed that Philistine? He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he would dare the armies of God. And, and who is it? Notice the term, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Literally throwing him in the... He said, who is this one I hate and, and, I, and, and I, with a passion, this uncircumcised Philistine? So you see the sting of it. And we begin to see the, the depth of what had come in to the church of Ephesus. Because all of a sudden now, the, the Jews were coming into the church. The Jet, Paul was moving in the Gentiles into the church. And you had these two groups being separate. Paul being an apostle to the Gentiles. As a matter of fact, if you go through the Old Testament, we won't take time to do this. But for Ruth to be incorporated, Ruth had to become what's called a proselyte or a Jew. 
Rahab become a Jew. Because you see, they couldn't, it, it, it was tremendous. I, I love this a story I was reading. His, his name was John Reed. He was driving a school bus in Australia. And he had white students and uh, 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 these uh, black students are Aborigines, anyway, you know. They were, they were black students and white students. And every day there was this fighting going on. Finally, he stopped one day and he's, he had enough of it. And he, he just pulled off saying, he walked to the white student. He said, what color are you? He said, he said I'm white. He said, no, you're green. On my bus, you're green. So he walks over to the black student. He said, what color? He said, I'm black. He said, no, you're green. On my bus, you're green. He said, everybody rides my bus is green. Nobody's white or black. I love this. He's driving down the road. And he heard a boy in the back of the bus announce, okay, light green on this side and dark green on that side. (laughs) I love it. There's always, but what I want you to see is that all of a sudden, Paul here, when he talks about building a church, he had to tear down these walls of petition. He had to do some demolition. Some walls of division had to be torn down. Let me stop here and just say this. We don't preach about this much, but the truth is, sometimes God has to do that now. When walls of division are, are put up because of, of opinion or attitude or, or even for that matter sin, regardless of what the walls goes up, if it brings division, God can build on division. So He has to tear them walls down, remove them walls so He can start His construction. I never had thought much about that, but in reality, down through the years, I believe God has done that. I believe God has taken some walls down in our church and done some demolition because He's a master builder. Years ago, I asked a construction fellow, he pretty does a lot of big buildings, and I asked him one time, I said, why do you always tear these buildings down and build new ones? Why don't you just remodel them, you know? Made sense to me. And he said, I can tear that building down and build a new one cheaper than I can remodel that building and get it up to code. Because the codes are always changing. He said, it's cheaper for us just to clean it off and start and build a brand new building. Boy, I got to thinking about that. You know, sometimes God has to do that in my life. God just has to clean off everything in my heart and said, I need to build something here, but I've got to clean off that old junk and that old, that old mess because the truth is, the real barriers here is not black, the color of our skin or an opinion or attitudes or race or what you believe or don't believe. Here's the real problem. It's a fallen human race problem. Racism is not a skin problem, it's a sin problem. And the reason there's enmity between man and man is because there's enmity between man and God. I love this. He's a preacher, his little boy was just bothering him, just driving him nuts, you know. 
And it finally, he just ripped a page out of the newspaper and he had a picture of a world. And he said, he said, he just tore it all to pieces, just, just all these pieces. He said, son, I'll give you a quarter if you can put this back together. So the little boy sets out, and in a few minutes, sure enough, he come in there, he said, okay, daddy, I got it together. And he goes in there, and sure enough, it's together. He said, son, how did you get it done? He said, well, daddy, on the other side is a picture of a man. And I knew if I got the man right, his world would be right. And you know what? That's exactly... By the way, he preached on them. If the man's right, your world to be right. And it amazing? When our world is wrong, it's usually because the man's wrong or the woman's wrong. And so God comes along and all of a sudden, the Bible says in Romans 8, 6, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because carnal mind is enmity against God. For he's not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. So these, these Jews and these Gentiles come together. And, and it's amazing, it's amazing. The Lord said, you're not going to be Jew. You're not going to be Gentile. I'm going to save you by the grace of God. And you're going to become Christian. You're going to become Christian. You're not going to be black or white. You're going to become Christian. You're not going to become Russian or American. You're going to become Christian. Do you realize all across this world, God's got Christians that are just like you and I. Serve the same God, love the same God. Why I, I'm, it's amazing how God can take these these Jews and these Gentiles and they hate one another and culturally they hate one another and they have for life. And God says, I'm going to save you by the grace of God. When I save you, you will no longer be Jew or Gentile, but you will be a Christian. Isn't that wonderful? I love that. So step number one was some demolition. Can I say this? God cannot build anything when there's walls of division up. When there's walls between in a family, in a marriage, in a home, when there's a you got to get them walls down so you can build on and building make a and start building construction. You got to take them walls down. And you know why? And the greatest way we can do that. It's taking them walls around. It's to sin around one, and that is Christ. And making him preeminent, making him first, make everything about him. Make everything about him. I, I would, if I had time, I could show you. But let me just tell you one, one more. In, in the book of Acts, Peter's in his house. He goes up on the roof to pray. And while he's up there praying, the Lord gives him a vision and as a sheet comes down. And on that sheet, it's some pork chops and some sausage and things that Jews don't eat. And he said, Lord, I don't, I, I, Lord, I, 
when I don't eat that stuff. I'm not going to eat that. And the Lord said, what I call good, you're calling bad? And about that time, there was a knock. And at the door was some Gentiles that said, Peter, our master sent us here to get you and to come to his house. So Peter goes. And he gets out and it's Cornelius' house and Cornelius is a Gentile. And Peter said, I don't go into Gentiles' houses and all that. But you know what happened? When he gets out, he said, I think the Lord is letting me know these walls of division's got to come down. He goes in, he starts preaching. Holy Ghost falls on that crowd. They have a time. And Peter's just scratching his head. You know why? Because God done some demolition. God's got to do there's division. God won't. By the way, Salt Rock Baptist Church, right now, to my knowledge, we're as unified as we've ever been. The moment we get divided, that's when God stops building. You listening? Second, step two, construction. Now, therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, now the household of God, and are built upon the foundation. Now he starts with the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. When God starts, he builds, he builds on two things. Number one, he builds on the Word of God. How many's got your Bible tonight? All right, hold it up. Don't be ashamed of it. Amen. Praise God. God said, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build it on the Word of God. Years ago, when we first started, and uh, we, we, we have... A, some wonderful people they can sing. Praise God for that. We have a lot of things going on, but there's one thing. Don't miss this. There's one thing that we're always going to build on, and that is the Word of God. Amen. You say, behold it. Can it, will it stand? Oh, yeah, he'll stand. And it is a foundation. Now, and the second thing, and that is Jesus Christ. Built on the Word of God and Jesus Christ. Now, I've lost some people because they want a pedestal. They want a stage. They want to, they want to be on a, on a, on a pedestal. They, they want this. I'm telling you now, I love you. I'm thrilled you're here tonight. I, I'm, I'm thrilled you're here, but don't you miss this. We're not going to put you on a pedestal. We're going to put Jesus Christ on that pedestal. Told you many times. Don't you dare put me on that pedestal. I know of a church where a church did, and God took that preacher out. I'm, I'm saved. I'm ready to go. I'm just going to load up and go tonight. Amen. I'm not interested in catching that bus now, unless it's His will. I'm just here to tell you that God said that's the foundation. In the Old Testament, we have Jesus predicted. In the Gospels, we have Jesus revealed. In Acts, we have Jesus preached. In the Epistles, we have Jesus explained. And in the Revelation, we have Jesus expected. I don't know who you're looking for. I, I, I'm going to get in trouble. 
I hear so many times, boy, I can't wait to get to heaven. I want to see my mom. I want to see my daddy. And that's good. I've got mom and daddy there too. But I'm going to be honest with you. You're going to be surprised. You're going to be shocked. Because if you're truly, truly saved, born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, the first person you're going to see is Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Acts, those two men standing and looking said, Why are you standing here gazing? This same Jesus, this same one that left this back, he's coming back again. He's not sending an angel, he's not sending somebody else, he's coming back again. And the first thing you're going to see is Jesus. And I'm going to be honest with you, I hate to hurt, oh, it's going to mess some of you, it's going to mess some of your theology up big time. Once you see Jesus, you're not going to really care if you see anybody else. You'll spend a million years of worshiping Him and thanking Him. You'll know, be known as you're known, but I promise you, Jesus will so outshine everything in heaven. Jesus will so outshine everything. As a matter of fact, they won't need Duke Power when they get there. Ain't that a blessing? And CenturyLink, hallelujah. I know where CenturyLink's going to be, and it won't be in heaven. It won't be in heaven. And uh, I don't like that. Anyway, let's move on. If the church, if Solid Rock Baptist Church, if we don't base everything on the Word of God and preach Jesus, and we don't focus on reaching a lost world, then the church will crumble and it'll cease from being. The purpose of the church. Now listen, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm, I want us to be enjoy church. I want us to get excited about church. I want you to be excited about church. But the truth of the matter is, a church is made for a lost, hell-bound, hell-deserving sinner to walk through and say, My God, can I get some hope? Is there some help for me? Is there some help for me? Not only is there a foundation, but I love this one. The next step is the building blocks. The Bible says, In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord. You and I become those building blocks. Now, something interesting, and I'm not sure how it applies to us, but those blocks of the temple were never hammered or chiseled or sawed at the temple site. They were all done at the quarry. They were chiseled, cut, sawed, hammered. And when they were brought to the temple site, they were just set in place. There is a, an island... In the Portuguese, it's called, it's called Azores. And what's so unique about this island is that it's the farmers that live there. It's built on a volcanic, volcanic rock. And they take these rocks from the fields and they use them as building materials. They have no mortar. They have nothing, no glue to hold them together. The walls are five to ten feet tall, two foot wide. 
And even though 125 mile an hour winds comes, hits that island, this wall has never moved. And the reason being is that the wall is so fit together. Literally, they say, there's no seams in it. It is, it is put together so seamless and together. And you know what the Lord does in His church? He does the same thing. He takes every one of us and our unique talents and our unique gifts and our unique abilities. And every person here has a talent, has an ability, has a gift of some kind. Every person has at least one gift. And God takes that gift and that talent and He puts that block in His church. And everyone is unique. And everyone serves a purpose. And everyone is so vitally important. There's, I, I hope you don't mind me using him, but Joe likes to shout and praise God. I don't know about you, but that's an important block in our church. Some of you, you say, you know, I, it's just not in me to do that. I mean, you'll do this because, you know, that's about it. That's all I can get out of you. You know? Some of you don't even smile. I'm worried, a little worried about you. But anyway, some never, you, if you've seen what I see sometimes, you would not believe. I, I ain't believing this, but I, I preached one. It's been years and years ago. I was preaching. I'm just preaching away, you know. And in the pew, a woman stood up and she shook her fist at another woman in the church. She's going, I thought, good gosh. So I just, I got half in the, I, I just forgot the message. I let her have it. Then God let me have it when we got home. Amen. I said, I ain't never doing that. So if you shake your fist to somebody else, it's like you're on your own. Five, what have you got? Not church. Not church. But I'm telling you, God takes every one of us. And God takes us and you're that, you're that building block that God wants to put in that place for His glory and for His honor. Isn't it amazing? And He puts them in there. And, and I love that. Uh, uh, it's, it's just a terrible illustration, but it's a good one. Peanuts cartoon Linus was watching television. And Lucy walks in and says, change the channel. And he said, what makes you think you got a right to walk in here and tell me what to do? She said, do you see these five right here? She said, these five fingers individually... They can't do nothing. But when they all come together, terrible things can happen. And he said, what channel was it you wanted? And then he does something. He looked at his five fingers. He said, why can't you come together like that? Do you understand tonight that whenever we become God's building block, And we say, God, I want to be your building block. 
I want you to use me. I want to be fit. I want to be in place. I thought it was amazing. And, and I, I believe in just bragging on people when it's worthy of bragging on. Michael had a procedure done today at the hospital. He didn't get out of the hospital to about 5.30, 15 minutes to 6. You know, nobody, would have anybody complained if he'd stayed home today? They called, give me the report and said, I'll see you in a little bit, I'll be at church. He's that building block and saying, that's my place and I need to fill it. I'm going to be in my place. I'm going to be that where God wants me to be. One of the things about being this building blocks is God, God has a place in his church for every person here. And whenever we find that place, some of you have got a talent to sing. Why aren't you in the choir? Why aren't you in the choir? Some of you have got an ability to teach. Why aren't you approaching me about teaching? Some of you have got an ability. You know, some people have this natural ability to just, just to, to, to talk. I, 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 I tell you this dream. I had a dream last time that I had a plane. And James was flying it for me. James Weinbarger, you didn't know he was a pilot, did you? And I'm just wondering, you want to buy me a plane? James will fly it for me. And, uh, but what, what you, what you, what you, what, 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 where, where, where do you fit? And, and you ought to fit. Now, and everybody can fit, and everybody should fit. Now, I, I'll, be, I'll be very honest with you. I love those that work in, in Pats Club, don't you? Amen. I just tell you, I love kids. I love these kids with all my heart. But I'm glad you're taking them home with you. <laughs> After a while, even my grandkids, where's your mama? Anytime <laughs> you go home, you know. But oh, but there's people that just got all of this, all of this ability and patience with them and love them and, and help them. Well, you know, everybody has a place. Those of you not, uh, not I love I love the bus ministry. Well, years ago, God done something in my heart. First thing we did, we got us an old van and started bringing kids to church. And it's been in my heart ever since. I love I love I love seeing them buses roll in on Sunday morning. We, we've had we've had record numbers the last two Sundays. I love it when those kids come in. And you say, "Well, Lord, they cause more trouble." Yeah, they, well, don't you love seeing them come in? And 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 we're praying that God will save them. We're praying to God. Not everybody can do that because you can't you can't hurt them. <laughs> not not everybody. Can work a bus ministry. You can't pick them up no matter how much you want to and slam them in a seat. Get you in trouble. You can't do that. Not everybody can. But praise God, some can. And everybody has to have a place. And God, the master builder, you know what she's wanting you to do? You're saying, here, God, I'm the, I'm the block. Take me and put me where you can use me. You know, there are folks that, that just, they just love to serve. And, uh, my, what a, and we got a crowd of people. We've got a crowd of people in this place. Uh, I, it's going to mess up. Everybody in this church, every family, ought to sign up one time to clean this building. Those of you that clean, say amen. Every 
family ought to clean this building one time. You say, preacher, why do you want us to do that? When you do two things for you. You'll appreciate everybody else that does it. And you'll appreciate it when you walk in. You won't look at it quite the same. This is a monster of a building to clean. And yet we got folks that does that every week. That block. Being that block. And God said, that's just construction. Then last of all, and this is probably the most important, in whom you also build it together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. God moves in. You understand tonight, without Him, it's sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. Without Him, we have nothing. Without Him, we just got a building. Without Him, it's no different than a bingo parlor. Without Him, it's no different than any, any other building. You know what makes this building different than any other building? You know why this building's not Walmart? Do you know why? Because God sees fit to meet with us here. And I praise God for that. And He moves in. And God says, I'm the master builder. My goodness, I love this one pastor. A uh, man come up and said, well, pastor, what a beautiful church. And he replies, well, thank you. I've been dieting. Glad you noticed. Some of you will get that going on. Someone said, man, what a beautiful church. You ought to say, thank you very much. I've been dieting. I'm glad you noticed because the truth is, we are the church. You and I are the church. We have a beautiful building God's given us here. But you and I are the church. I want to ask you a question. As a church, are they seeing God in you? When we got this building here built, and the last painting was done, the pews were all in, and everything was done, before I had to, before I could move in, before we could have a service, something had to happen. Brother Settlemeyer, when everything was finished, what was the last thing that had to happen before we could move in? Inspection. Inspection. I'll, I'll give you fair warning next time. Inspection. Had he had some time to think about it, I'm sure he would come up with it. Inspection. Everything was done. Paving was done. Paint was done. Everything was done. But before they would turn to power and let me have service here, I had to have an inspector to come. He done an inspection. And he walked. He walked into the, the bathrooms. He walked. He checked the lights. He walked, up, he walked up here, of course, where my pews is too long. I had to get that fixed. But other than that, he done an inspection. I wonder tonight if God come by to do a building inspection. And that building inspection would be done in our hearts. Are there walls in my life that God needs to knock down tonight? Not because of someone else, but because He wants you to. Years ago, I worked with a man, and he was a very wicked man. No doubt about it. He persecuted me. I'm serious. And um, not, I'm not, and I didn't do this with right motive, and that's probably the reason God didn't do it. I just, 
I just did because I didn't like the man. But it, every, every day I'd find a track. I went and bought tracks, and every day I would leave this man a gospel track somewhere. And um, well, one day he figured out who it was, and he took about a hundred of them and just come and throw them at me. Just he, This man just persecuted me. I remember the day when I had to just literally say, God, here he is. I had a lot of wall to come up. My prayer life was hindered. My walk with God was hindered. My witness was hindered. And I remember the day, I remember the day when God says, you just need to take that thing down. And you need to let me deal with him. And God did deal with him. I ended up getting his job, got a raise, hallelujah, and he got gone. <laughs> I'm fitly joined. Fitly joined. So God done an, an inspection of our hearts tonight. The last inspection in his building, he's a master builder. He does an inspection. Oh, no, no. Boy, I tell you, he can just fix up. No, he doesn't do that. He only inspects your heart. He's not talking for you to inspect somebody else's. My, he inspects your heart. What's he see? Am I doing my part? Am I obeying what he puts in my heart to do? By my actions and attitude, will others say the Spirit of God dwells in me? The most important question do you know him personally? Do you know him? Preacher, I'm a member of the church. I didn't ask you if he's a member of the church. Well, I tell you what I think. I didn't ask you what you think. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I said it Sunday. My dear wife said it earlier while she sung. If I called your name, could you stand up and give a testimony as to when Jesus saved you? So I'll stand to her feet, every head bowed, and every eye closed. Here tonight, he's the master.